We're going to go ahead and release you to your time of teaching. Thanks for being here to worship with us. Uh, 5th through 12th graders are meeting at the door over there, meeting their leaders. So if that is you, you can head over there. Um, We in here, we're going to, as we get into our time of teaching, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew this morning, starting there anyway. Uh, Matthew chapter 28 uh, is the very end of that book, first book of the New Testament. Uh, If you need a Bible, we want you to have a Bible. Uh, You can put up your hand. One of our servers will bring you one. Uh, And then you can turn in that Bible, page 712 is where you'll find Matthew 28. You can also find that on uh, your app if you want to turn there uh, as well. So we are uh, celebrating a few things here in Discovery over these past couple weeks. We've had some great things happen. We had a mission trip down to Haiti. Uh, Next week, you'll hear a little bit more about that. We'll show some pictures, some video. Um, And then last week was Easter, of course, a great time of celebrating our risen Jesus. And uh, he's still alive today. Um, Even though it's not Easter Sunday, we still continue to to celebrate him. So we're celebrating those things. But today, uh, we're going to get back into our sermon series that we've been in on discipleship, about being devoted followers of Jesus who uh, are on the path that Jesus has uh, for us. We're in week six of this series, which is titled The Way We Change uh, the World. If you missed any of that, you can catch up uh, on the app or online um, to figure out where we're at. But today we're going to uh, be continuing in that series. Uh, Back when I was in graduate school here, um, I had the opportunity to, to do a bunch of work down in Mexico, uh, actually in Baja, California, beautiful location. I had a Fulbright Fellowship and actually got to live uh, with my wife in Mexico uh, for about a year. And uh, so while we were down there, we figured, you know, we're going to take advantage of being down here, absolutely beautiful location on the Gulf of California, um, wonderful wonderful place, and so we're saying we're going to take advantage of this time, and so uh, we tried to go out to different areas, see different things. Um, There was an area that was um, a a place that was known for the whale migration on the Pacific Ocean in a place called Magdalena Bay, and so everyone was telling us, you need to go uh, there, and actually, yeah, here's here's a map of where, so we were down in La Paz, you can see that yellow dot there, we had to go all the way to San Carlos, um, for uh, to see all these whales in that bay there. And so uh, it was February, which is the time they migrate, and uh, it was kind of shorter days during that time. And uh, one of the things that you'll notice, one of the things I love is that, see the key there, it says major highway in green, uh, and then you look at the map and there's no green, um, because it's really, if you've ever driven those roads down in Baja, uh, they're pretty rough. There's no major highways. I remember before we went down there, uh, what everybody told us was one thing to do, never drive those roads at night. Um, One, because uh, there's no signs, there's no lights on those roads. Um, They're pretty uh, curvy and surrounded by steep cliffs. And uh, they also told us and warned us about, watch out for the black cows. And I, um, in my ignorance back then, uh, I kind of assumed those were like the Mexican gangs that came and like, uh, robbed you uh, on the, the road, um, but I, I later realized it actually was black cows, um, 
because what would happen is during the daytime, you know, the asphalt would heat up, and so the, the cows would think, hey, at night when it got a little cooler in the desert, it'd be a good place to go take a nap, was right on that black asphalt. So they said to watch out for the black cows, because you can imagine that situation. So all, all in my mind, I said, okay, we're going to go make this trip. It's a three-hour trip. Uh, we only have this much daylight, so I think if we can do this, we can get out there, we can see the whales, we can get back, everything will be fine. So we make the drive, best plans that are there. You know, I'm driving with my, my bride there, and we're, we're going, and, um, and we get out there, kind of one thing happens after another. First, we're waiting for another group to show up, so our, our time going out on the boats gets delayed, uh, and then we get out on the boats, amazing time seeing the whales, but the group that we're with, they say, well, we're going to stop off at this island for lunch. And they kind of enticed us because they said, you know what, we're going to go there. They're going to have this fresh lobster and, and shrimp. And sure enough, we, we went there and, and we were just enjoying all this meal. And as I'm watching the sun slowly get lower, I just finally realized there's no way that we're going to make it back all the way to uh, La Paz by the time that it's dark. In fact, by the time we got back to the, the port where the boat landed, the sun was about setting. Uh, and so uh, my wife and I, we kind of said a prayer there and said, God, um, maybe we've been foolish, but please protect our foolishness. Maybe you've kind of prayed that prayer before as well. Um, and so we, we got on the road and we're praying, we're, we're thinking, praying like at that point in my life, I'm not trying to be super spiritual. At that point, I was like really scared. Okay, and so I was praying, and as we got on that, not major highway, but little highway uh, going back, all of a sudden, before we made the turn onto the road, a bus um, pulled through, and that was the answer to our prayer, because I knew there was no place else that bus was going, because there was no place between there and La Paz, and so I figured if we got behind that bus, we could follow them the whole way, and no matter if there's black cows, because that bus is big enough to, to take out that black cow. And so uh, we, we got behind those headlights, and I'll tell you, I didn't care where the road was. I put my eyes on those headlights. I just stayed right with that bus. Sometimes it slowed down, and I said, I'm not passing that bus. I'm staying right there, because I knew that was the way to get safely home. And sure enough, curve by curve, mile by mile, uh, we ended up back safely in our destination. Now, I think that is an incredible metaphor for our life of discipleship. Because ultimately, discipleship begins when we make a decision to follow one that we can trust in, that will guide us safely to our destination. And for us who call ourselves disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus, we have made a fundamental decision that said, we're not going to try to go this route on our own. But no, we are going to fall in line behind the one that we can trust, behind the one that we can follow, behind the one who has shown his incredible love for us by going to the cross for us, by the one who has promised to guide us every step of the way, to the one who, as we celebrated in Easter, he has gone the path before us. Even what we celebrate in Easter, he has even gone through the grave before us and come out on the other side. And so we follow Jesus, not only on earth, but into eternity, beyond the grave. That is the one, that is the decision that a disciple makes, is that, hey, we're falling in line, we're going to follow him this whole way. Now, along that journey, especially on the earthly journey here, there's a second piece of discipleship, and that comes with our continual alignment with the one that we're following. 
See, we go back to that bus illustration. You know, there were times when it was going a little bit too slow for where I would like to go, and there was a temptation there to say, you know what, I'm just going to zoom ahead. Or there were other options to be able to pull off and to be able to say, I can go this way or I can go that way rather than following where the bus is going. There may have even been some doubts in saying, what if? What if it's not going to where I, I want to go? But no, there was the trust there. And so we continue to align and just fix my eyes on those taillights to guide me the whole way home. And it's the same way with Jesus. That we are tempted sometimes to say, okay, Jesus isn't doing what I want him to do or moving in my timetable, so I'm going to try my own way. Or maybe we just say, you know what, maybe he doesn't have my best interest in mind, so I'm going to do it on my own. Or there's another path. I'll get back with Jesus later rather than sticking right with him. Our task in discipleship is to, number one, trust in the one that we follow, and then to continually align our lives to him. Now, certainly along the path, there are these times where we kind of veer off the path. And thankfully, I don't think that bus was going to wait up for us if we stopped, if we pulled off. But the wonderful grace of Jesus is that even as we come here and maybe we've gotten out of alignment, maybe we're completely off the path, we know we haven't been following Jesus, maybe we don't even really know what that means, but Jesus is gracious, where he always keeps us in his sights. He always beckons us to come back, get on that path, to follow after him. And so Jesus' call to us today, like every day, is to come to follow him, to find life in him. I love what the theologian Martin Luther said. He said this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. The entire life of believers should be repentance. Repentance, this word that means to change direction. And and so really what we need to understand is as disciples of Jesus, our entire life is about repentance, about continuing to align ourselves with Jesus when we get out of alignment. And, And so it begins with that one big decision when we are going our own path saying, I can do it on my own, I can make this path on my own, and all of a sudden we see who Jesus is. And we see he has a better path. And we do a 180. And we change direction. And we're saying we're following Jesus. And once we make that one big decision, that one big change to go after him, then there's a lot of small changes where we kind of veer off this direction. But Jesus beckons us back. And we're continually repenting, changing, getting back with him. Changing our lives and experiencing the change that he has for us. In Matthew chapter 28, we see Jesus' prescription for discipleship. What he calls to his followers, to his disciples, and and tells them in making disciples. And this is after he has died and gone to the cross and risen again. And he comes to his followers and he says this as they're gathered together. He says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he's saying this as one who has conquered the grave. One who they all saw dead and now see alive again. And so uh, the disciples are listening. Yeah, authority has been given to you if you can overcome the grave. And, And so Jesus speaks as one with authority and then he tells them, 
Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is what we call the the Great Commission. We've been talking about this in this series, and we've been looking at Jesus' command to go and make disciples the way that he calls us. And it's a wonderful thing when he says, I'm here and I will always be here as you go about this work. But let's look at what he says, okay? Number one, he says to make disciples by going, okay? So we are to go to all nations right here in in Davis, uh, beyond as we go. So this is what we do. We don't just gather but we go to, as Robert prayed, meet people where they are. That includes meeting people where they are physically. It means we don't just wait for people to show up here. We go. We invite them to come. We go sharing the gospel. We are a going people. Uh, secondly, that we are to baptize new believers. Uh, we did this last week at Easter, right? I think we have a picture here of some of our uh, Easter baptisms. Okay, as we baptize those who have come to know Jesus, who are new believers. Uh, Our goal in making disciples is not just to train up and raise up those who already know Jesus, but to go and to baptize new believers. And these are wonderful pictures because they are people who have made decisions to follow Jesus, said, I'm trusting in him, I'm trusting in him. And so those are the first two steps. The third step that Jesus then says is, once you have reached them, once you have brought them to me, then teach them to observe all that I have commanded. Now, we're here on mission. Uh, We're meeting people where they are. We are reaching people to know Jesus. Reaching people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. And then training us up to follow Jesus, to continually align ourselves with him. Like that bus, to be able to continually see Jesus and when we go astray, to learn what it is to follow him. Follow him through all of the perils that we navigate in this life. And here's the reality, is we believe that Jesus truly brings transformation as we stop going our own ways and and follow him. That Jesus is trustworthy, that he leads us through. So when we show up here with a lot of practical issues that we're going through, I mean, we're struggling in all different areas of life. I mean, some of us are open. We, we don't know how we're going to make ends meet this month. We're just barely getting by. Uh, we're struggling in our relationships and the brokenness that we experience in our families. We're struggling with questions about God and spirituality and sexuality and all kinds of things in our life. We actually believe that as we look at what Jesus has shown us and align ourselves to him, he leads us through what may derail us, which may take us astray. So this morning, I want to spend our time focusing on this part three of the the Great Commission, the teaching to obey all that Jesus commanded, that we might learn from Jesus, not just today, but every day that we follow him, and then we might live in line with him and experience the life and the blessing that he has for us. But if we think about it for a minute, that we are to teach those that we are discipling. And if we flip it around, we are to learn and be discipled in all that Jesus commanded. Now just think about that for a minute. All that Jesus commanded. It seems like he 
said a lot of things. We can look at the biblical examples of what he taught through and see all the different areas. Jesus commanded a lot, and sometimes it can be kind of overwhelming. What are, how are we supposed to go about that? How are we supposed to do that? In fact, sometimes uh, as, as churches, we almost just kind of assume that it will happen um, because we get all excited about the going part. We get pretty excited about the baptizing part. Uh, those are pretty easy. Those are pretty straightforward. But teaching to obey all I command, sometimes we even, when we say the Great Commission, we kind of trail off, go and make disciples, baptizing them. And then let's teach them to observe all I commanded. When that's a big statement, I mean, that is the life of discipleship. That, that we are to be trained up in all that Jesus taught and to, to follow after him. So how do we go about it? I've grappled with this question for, for many years. Um, because, you see, Jesus said a lot, right? In fact, there's one group of Christians that, that kind of went through and counted everything and said there's about a thousand uh, commands of Jesus, a thousand teachings that, that Jesus gave. And uh, so how are we supposed to go about learning all of those? Um, Jesus himself was asked that question when he was um, in, on earth. There was one of the religious leaders came to him in Matthew 22. It says this. One came and asked a question. said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus asked, okay, what are the commands? He said, well, they're love God. And love people, that's kind of a simple tagline. But then Jesus adds this. He said, on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. What Jesus is saying is that, hey, there's a lot of commandments. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were 613 Old Testament laws that the people needed to follow and obey. Jesus says, the heart of those are loving God and loving people. And so we can say today as Christians, hey, we're just supposed to love God and love people. Simple, easy to re remember. But how is it, like what does that actually look like? How do we love God? How do we love people? How are we supposed to carry that out? And we say, well, Jesus said a lot of things about those. And we're back to those kind of a thousand, maybe more commands of how we live that out. So there's a lot. That's what I'm getting at. There's a lot that Jesus commanded. And we're supposed to learn and be discipled in that. As a church, we're supposed to teach and lead others in that. How do we go about it? Because we can get overwhelmed by it all. I think there needs to be some systematic, intentional way that we go about it. That we lead people to understand all that Jesus has commanded. And I've grappled with this for the last many years. Just really... Looking through, okay, if Jesus commanded this, if we're about discipleship, how do we carry this out? And I feel a sense of responsibility as, as a church leadership that we have to do what Jesus has called us to do. So how are we to do it? I've read, I've studied, we've discussed, we've prayed, we saw God. What does it mean? And the, the other thing that I'm convicted about is that God has called us to lead this group of people in this city, that we are to disciple 
the people of Davis. Now, who are the people uh, of Davis? And one thing is that we're a pretty transient bunch. Uh, um, see if we, we can do this. How many of you um, were here 10 years? If you were here 10 years ago, would you just stand up quick? Okay, we've got a few of you that were here 10 years ago. You can go ahead and sit down. How many of you were here five years ago? Okay, a few of you. Okay, go ahead and sit down. How many of you were here just two years ago? Okay, some more of you. How many of you, I won't ask you to stand up from here, but many of you have just kind of been here in the last few months. Thanks for doing a little exercise, waking up here. The reality that I'm getting at is if we had 10 years Probably what I could do is, is say, okay, we've got these Sundays. We could just march through Jesus' thousand commands, just take one. Actually, if we did one command a week, it would take us 20 years, right? 52 weeks in a year, thousand commands breaks down to about 20 years. Now, if we could convince us to say, okay, let's meet one time during the week too and have Sunday and one time during the week, hey, maybe we could do it in 10 years. But the reality is many of us aren't here for 10 years. And that's just not in this community here, because I know many of you are not, as you look two years, three years, five years from now, you're not planning to be here either. I pray that you will be here. I do. I pray regularly that we'll stick around. But the reality, even in our greater culture today, is that the average person moves every four years. So the idea of just saying, hey, we're just going to go command by command, teaching through this, uh, doesn't seem to grapple. Add this into the mix. Even for those of us who say, we're here, we're going to be here. If we were to just take Sunday mornings to teach all that Jesus commanded, I mean, the average Sunday attendance of a Christian in America is two Sundays a month. And so the, the reality is that we're missing a lot of these Sundays. Some of us are back serving in kids. And so if we were to go through, we would miss some of all Jesus has for us to teach. And so as we prayed through this and thought through this, you say, Jesus, how is it that we fulfill what you've called us to do? Because you want us to grow in what you have for us. And, and the answer that ultimately came through is what we refer to as Discovery's six core values. And this is, this is the way that we look at how we can teach all that Jesus commanded. It's by going through these values. As I went through the Gospels, I looked at Jesus' teaching. It said, most of what he taught would fit into these six categories, if you would call them. Uh, the, those things are the values of who we are, that we are biblical people, we are relational people, that we are missional people, that we are sacrificial, that we are prayerful, that we are cross-generational people. Now, the thing about values, we need to understand that these are not goals. Okay? The goal is not that we are creating the best Bible students out there. The goal is not that we have the deepest, most eloquent prayers out there. But we, our goal is to equip people to make disciples who are committed followers of Jesus, who are spirit-led, gospel-centered followers of Jesus. Values then are just kind of those guardrails that keep us moving in that direction towards the goal that we have. We want to create disciples that are able to follow Jesus, that are led by the Spirit. And so as we go through these values, these are kind of the what's of discipleship that we go through as a church. 
the what's of teaching all that Jesus commanded. And so what is it that we teach? We teach the Bible. We teach that God in his grace has given us, his word has given us direction, that we can know him, that we can know his word, that we can apply it, that we can teach it to others, that God in his grace has given us his word. And so that is what we teach when we teach the Bible. We teach about relationship. Number one, relationship with God. That through Jesus Christ, he has invited us into a relationship with him, this vertical relationship where we worship, where we adore him, where we say, God, you're worthy. You have called me to be your child. But then we also live in the reality that because of that relationship that's vertical, we are then able to have healthy and whole relationships horizontally in our marriages, in our families, with our friendships, with others, both in the church and outside. So we teach about relationship. We teach about mission because as we learn that we have a relationship with God, we realize that he's just not all about us, that there's a world out there that is lacking relationship with him. And God has called us as his children to go and to make more disciples, to tell them about the relationship they can have through Jesus Christ. In order to do that, we need to be prayerful people where we invite God to come do what we cannot do in and of ourselves, where we humble ourselves and we seek him. So we teach about prayer. Uh, We then teach about sacrifice because discipleship is costly. That Jesus doesn't come and get on our path and follow us around. He calls us to follow him. And sometimes it leads through the cross and to sacrifice. So we sacrifice by giving time, by giving energy, by giving our gifts, by giving our finances. We teach that sacrifice is part of what Jesus has called us to. And finally, we teach that this is a generation by generation thing, that the generations are important, that those of us who know pass on to those who are coming behind us, because that's how Jesus has called us from generation to generation to make disciples. So these are what we call our core values. These are kind of the what's of teaching that we have. Now, one of the things as you look at that list, you'll probably realize that there's probably some things that you get really excited about. I mean, some of us are like, yeah, bi- I love Bible study. Give me some Bible study. I, I, I want to learn how to dive in deep. I want to go deep, right? We say that. And some of us would say, you know, prayer. I just, I just love spending alone time in, in prayer. But sometimes we look at things maybe like mission and evangelism and say, yeah, that's for other people. That's not for me. Or when it comes to sacrifice, and I don't like when the church talks about giving, something that might cost me. So can't we just talk more about prayer? Can't we just talk more about community and relationships? Hey, I'm, I'm with you. And I, there's one area as I've been going through this, again, I was convicted this past week, hey, that I'm lacking in my prayer life. As I look at these core values of, of who God has called me to be, and I'm to be a disciple, I'm lacking in the prayer life that I need. And so I, I realign some things in my life to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read more about prayer. I'm going to look at those scriptures. I'm going to seek, as, as the disciples asked Jesus and said, Lord, teach me to pray. Because I will have some comfort zones in my life and I'll have some other things. These values lead us out of our comfort zones and into some things where God might actually stretch us a little bit, where he might call us to grow a little bit. 
And so one of the things in my teaching here, I, I need these guidelines, these values to kind of say, okay, what is it that we are going to teach through? Because I could probably teach on community every Sunday. I could teach on mission every Sunday. But when it comes to kind of sacrifice, if I don't have something telling me, you know what, I should look a little bit into this, in prayer, I'll probably avoid those areas. And you probably do the same. Now, if I were to stand in front of you today and say, you know what, I'm lacking in my prayer life, that probably isn't acceptable to you. And you expect a pastor who, if is struggling in that area, will at least pursue what God has given us in the gift of prayer. And so you would hold our leadership accountable to that. But as disciples of Jesus, I would offer to you that the same calling is there for you. That if we are to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, we are to pursue the fullness of Jesus' teaching. That we're not to just settle into comfort zones to to where we like to hear. In fact, the Bible specifically warned about this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says that a time is coming when people will want to hear what they want to hear, that their itching ears will actually accumulate teachers that will tell them what they're passionate about because they don't want to go where Jesus wants us to go. And one of the ways that we live that out today is that rather than going through all these things, we find a place that will tell us what we want to hear, what we want to study. I know we have needs when we show up here. I want you to address mine. I want you to address mine. The way we go through it here in Discovery is that we're going to go through these things that Jesus calls us to go through as his followers. We're going to seek what he has because as fully devoted followers, we're going to pursue the fullness of his teaching. Now hear my heart in this. Our great desire for you is that as you walk out the path of following Jesus, not just this month, not just this year, but in the years to come, that you will be more fully equipped to handle whatever life faces at you, that you will know how to follow Jesus in all of the areas that he's called us to follow in in our life. Our desire is that you would be trained up, that you would know the fullness of his teaching because in him there is life as we align to him. So if these are the what's of what we teach. Now, as we go through these, you won't always hear us stand up on Sunday and say, hey, today we're talking about relational. There's a lot of different aspects of relationship. But if you start tuning in, you will start to hear, okay, we're talking about this today. That not six months will go past till you hear us talk about stewardship and giving of our finances. Because that's an area that we need to maybe grapple with a little bit. But it's not just what we teach, it's also how we teach it, how we go through it. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Page 737, if you have one of these church Bibles. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is a passage of scripture in Jesus' ministry that is called the Sermon on the Plain. Um, Because it says at the beginning of Luke 6 that Jesus was on a level place when he was uh, teaching this. And so it's called the Sermon on the Plain. You may be familiar with uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's more popular. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, if you can hold your finger in Luke 6, turn back to Matthew 5 real quick. Um, You'll see the Sermon on the Mount and you'll see some of the topics 
that Jesus teaches through there. Some tough ones. He teaches about being salt and light. He teaches about anger. He teaches about lust. He teaches about divorce. He teaches about oaths. I didn't even know that maybe there was something about oaths that we should know that Jesus wants us to know about keeping our promises. He speaks about retaliation, turning the other cheek. He speaks about loving your enemies, giving to the needy. Prayer and fasting are in there. Storing up treasures in heaven. I'm just going through the headings of Matthew 5 through 7. Jesus teaches on all these things in one sermon. So if you think my sermons get long, imagine the length of that sermon. Some of you laughed a little loud on that. (laughs) The Sermon on the Plain, if you look through some of the topics there in Luke chapter 6, some of them line up. They're about the same material, a little bit more compact, but the same material. Now, it's very clear that these two sermons were done in different places, So therefore, at different times, which shows us that in Jesus, he only had about three years of earthly ministry. And means that there were at least these two sermons that Jesus went through some of the same material. Okay, that he spoke about these things that were important and covered many of these different topics. And and what I would uh, say as I've looked at how Jesus studied, Jesus doesn't go through topics linearly. He he doesn't just say, you know what, disciples, we're going to talk about prayer for the next six months so that we can go really deep in prayer. Jesus said, I've got about two or three years with you guys, so we're going to cover everything that you need to know. And we're going to go through it when the crowds are together in these big sermons. We're going to go through it, disciples, when we're in the house together, so you can ask your questions, so that you can get to know, because what he knew, and they didn't know, that he wasn't going to be there a few years from now. And he wanted them to be fully equipped to accomplish what he had for them. And so as I think about how it is that we teach all that Jesus commanded, rather than just going through linearly, because again, we, we showed, for with most of you, we probably have about two or three years. And so we could spend a year talking about prayer, and you may be fully equipped in prayer, or some other topic. But the way we see it, Jesus led people through was he, he hit all of the topics time and time again. He looked for the opportunities to share what they needed to know so that they would be fully devoted to all that he had called them to be. And so as we go through, uh, we think less linearly about how we speak about these values, less list of six core values, saying, hey, we're going to spend two years talking about being biblical, we're going to take a year about this. And instead, we cycle through all of these things rather regularly. So we're talking about them. And so if you're here for six months, you will get hit with some aspect of all these core values. Uh, If you're here for a year, you'll go through them twice on Sunday mornings, if you're here on those Sundays. In our discovery groups as well, As we look at how we go through these things on Sunday mornings, we're going through kind of superficially. They only give me about 40 minutes to speak to you here. And then in discovery groups, we're discussing them, uh, going deeper in them. And so we're cycling through them. Why? Why? Because again, as I look at how Jesus built his disciples, he, he led them continually through all that they needed to know. He taught them all and commanded them all because one day they could pass them on to others. 
And he taught them for about two or three years. And then he had them in a place where he said, now when I send my Holy Spirit, he is going to continue to guide you into all truth. But I've introduced you to everything that you need to know. And so our hope here is that, hey, if we have you for two years, that when you leave here, you will be given all that you need to continue to follow Jesus in the rest of your life. And for those of you who stick around here, that's awesome because you'll keep going deeper in all of those areas. But for those of you who go out, you'll go to another church and not only will you be equipped to pray, but you will know about the heart of mission. Not only will you know how to financially steward your stuff, but you will know how to live out the biblical principles in every area of your life as the Holy Spirit continues to lead you to be who he's called you to be. Because our goal here is not just to raise biblical scholars. It's not just to raise eloquent prayers. It's to make disciples who will go and make disciples. Centered on the gospel, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we'll go through these things. Again, whether it's said explicitly or, or not, you may notice that we go through these things, not only Sunday morning, but in our discovery groups as well. That's why we challenge you to serve. That's why we challenge you to invite people to Easter during those studies that you're a part of. Now, what Jesus says at the end of that sermon, he's gone through kind of all of the what he's given that, but Jesus says something very important, both at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. Luke chapter 6, the end of the sermon, verse 46, Jesus says to those who have come to be his disciples, he looks at them and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus uses an illustration, and if I can align my illustration about the bus to the master's illustration, what he's saying is that if, if you are to come and to hear my words and to follow me, align yourself with me, not only hearing but also doing, then you'll be solid when the perils come, when the road gets rocky, when the streams rise, when they pound against the house. If you come and if you hear and if you do and put them into practice, then you'll be aligned with me and you'll experience the life I have for you. But he says that there are others who will call. There are many who call on the name of the Lord. Call, Lord, Lord, sing loudly, but do not do. There are many who listen and hear and say, oh, that's a great message. That's a great sermon. That's a great thing I read in my Bible this morning. But do we rise to do? Because what Jesus says is this, that number one, aligning with him means coming to him. That when we have gone astray, when we pursued other things, when we pursued other voices, we come back to Jesus. So what we do on Sundays is we come back to Jesus. Regardless of where our eyes have been set, we fix our eyes on Jesus. 
When we come in the midst of our week to discovery groups, we're coming to Jesus. When we open our Bible and have some quiet time in the morning, personally, we're coming to Jesus to be filled by him, to hear, number two, to hear from him, to hear his words. What's he saying to you? What is Jesus saying to you on Sunday mornings from his words? What's he saying to you when you gather with other believers? What's he saying to you when you get to open your Bible? But then finally, we need to do, we need to put into practice. We need to repent of where we have not been doing and now begin to do as Jesus leads us. Because it's easy to learn and learn and learn and learn. But are we living it out? Jesus calls us to put into practice what we hear. Now, it can be difficult for us. Again, there's a lot that Jesus seems to be saying to us, and we go out, what does that look like? That's why we come together. We come together to, to hear together and then rise to do together. As we're talking about discipleship, it's not just about teaching, right? It's not just about receiving more information. It, it's about walking and living this out together and finding transformation in him. And so as we go through these core values, what we ask is the, of disciple makers is to walk through these and then invite others into the process to disciple them, to come shoulder to shoulder, to learn how to live out, to learn from Jesus together, and then learn how to live and walk it out. So practically, here in Discovery, we have a discipleship pathway, which you'll continue to hear some more about that we are walking intentionally to pursue all that Jesus has commanded us to. And I have confidence that if you take advantage of what God has laid on our hearts, that if you come and you hear from Jesus and you hear all that he's commanded and begin to put it into practice, if you come together with other Christians in discovery groups or other places, and that as you work through these things together that Jesus is going to lead you because he's promised to. That's the pathway that we have, but rather than looking about where we're going, let's end today with a look at what Jesus has said to us. Because even today, maybe as we've talked through some of these things, there have been areas where you say, yeah, like I said this past week, going through this message and allowing this message to go through me, I realize there are areas where I'm lacking, where Jesus has taught me, where I'm to be a person of prayer, to, to walk intimately with my heavenly Father, to seek direction, to listen from him, that I can then go and be who he's called me to be. Maybe for you it's prayer. Maybe for you it, it's mission. Maybe you have not shared the gospel with anybody recently or ever, and he's challenging you to see with your eyes the neighbors that are around you, and that's where he would challenge you. Maybe you have all the access possible. You're given a Bible. You have it on your phone. You have continual access, but you're just not coming and hearing the words from the Lord. What is the area that maybe he's laid on your heart? And what do he say to you as we get ready to respond? Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I've been telling you? Because when we quiet ourselves, and hear from him, he will guide us. And for some of us, that may mean that there's a relationship that you want to, he's been speaking to you, and he says, you should reach out to that person. 
you should offer forgiveness to that person. You haven't wanted to. You've wanted to avoid it. But today you would say, you know what? Following me, experiencing my life will come as you step into that. For some of you, you feel maybe financially strapped, but he's calling you to steward all that you have and to depend on him and to see how he would provide. You've been avoiding it. But today he says, don't just call, don't just sing to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I told you to do. God wants to stretch you today. So as we get ready to respond, what is it that he is leading you into to be a more fully devoted follower, to pursue the fullness of his teaching? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your grace. Jesus, you came to die on the cross to cover our sin, that we would see your great grace and that we would be drawn to you. And Jesus, we are here this morning because we are drawn to you. You've been drawing us nearer to you. But Jesus, many of us, even though you have, you've spoken to us, even though you've given us your words, you've given us your teaching, today we show up to this place and we just know that we're, we're out of line. We're not following you. We've been setting our eyes on the direction that our neighbor's been leading us, that culture's been leading us, that our fleshly desires and passions have wanted. So Jesus, we come before you today. We see you. And we come to you. We want to hear from you. Jesus, your people are listening in this time and in this place. Come speak to us. Speak to us fresh. Holy Spirit, come. Reveal to us that area where you are calling us to step into. Maybe we've been avoiding it. And we're scared to step into it. Jesus, we set our eyes on you. You are good. You are faithful. We trust in you. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and we repent. And we change in order to align ourselves with you, Jesus. Lead us. We need to hear from you desperately. Give us the courage. Give us the strength to follow after you. Thank you that we get to do it together as a church. Jesus, we're following you. Lead us forward. In your name. Amen.